Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Great Dance Debate. We will be bringing professionals in our dance industry together to discuss controversial topics in the dance competition world. I am Chris Suchan. And I'm Liz Borum. And together, we have years of experience as professional dancers and dance educators with a unique perspective on dance competition. Every two weeks, we'll be bringing you guys an interesting conversation and different perspective on topics relevant to today's competition dancers. And as always, the Great Dance Debate is sponsored by Platinum National Dance Competition. Hey, Liz. Chris, what is up? <laughs> Welcome back to the Great Dance Debate. Should we use our debate? Yeah, should we use our English accents this time? Absolutely. Well, I consider this our great, our the Great British Baking Show equivalent. So I see. I think we should. That was a I terrible think, accent. I that was terrible. <laughs> I think we should also bake something. If we're going to debate, think, we might as well sweeten the pot with cookies. You know what I'm saying? Nothing is better than a podcast with no smells or video to do with a baking show. To contest. do a baking yes. show. I know. Absolutely. Hey, listen, we've got another debate today. Are you ready? I think it's a great topic. We are going to discuss and debate today whether putting petites and minis on stage or not. Should we put them on stage or should we wait a little bit longer in their dance careers? Uh, we have a couple of amazing people joining us today first on the side of, yeah, put those petites and minis on that stage is Stacy Grady. Stacy's originally from Rhode Island, where she has her has had her own studio for 25 years. She is choreographed for many institutions, as well as serving on faculty for national conventions and competitions. She is a newlywed. Stacy, welcome to our podcast. Hi, thank you. I'm excited. We're so excited to have you here. Well, uh, the things are going to get fired up. We've got another fiery blonde on this debate team, Bristol Hibbert. She's originally from Michigan and resides there with husband and daughter. She started her career at Walt Disney World and moved to Universal Studios and completed 12 contracts with the Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. And she'll be debating that it's not okay to put petites and minis on stage, that they're just too young. Bristol, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm We're with- excited. Yeah. Well, listen, before we get going and, you know, the, 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 the claws come out and all of that, let's get to know you guys a little bit better just as humans. So I've got some questions for you, Liz, and I've got some questions for you. So first up, guys, what is your favorite podcast uh, besides this one, of course, that you're listening to now or that you would recommend to others? Stacey. I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> Stacey, I don't either. And every um, time we do a podcast, I listen to like what the judges or the debaters are saying. And I'm like, ooh, I should listen to that. And I haven't. I haven't. I'm just okay. going to tell you. Yep. All right. Thanks, Liz. <laughs> How about you, Bristol? Do you have a favorite podcast? I do. Um, I actually love it's called Mom Truths and it's Cat and Nat. It is definitely for adults only. <laughs> um, but it's just fun. It's about mom life and um it's just funny. It's lighthearted and they're just two moms. Um, and I enjoy listening in the morning because it makes me laugh. It starts my day off on a good note. I love that. We haven't gotten that one yet. Yeah, we haven't. I'll also write that down, but then not listen to it. All right, guys, the next, the next question um, is a a tough one. I think this is though this is the one I think is the most interesting, actually. Um, What is your go to Starbucks order? And let's start with Bristol this time. 
Okay. So I typically don't drink Starbucks um, uh, only when I'm on the road, but when I do, it is a quad shot um, Breve latte. I know it's crazy. When I request it, people look at me like I've lost my marbles, but it's the, it's what gets me up and at them and looking, you know, (laughs) no Starbucks or all of the Starbucks all in one cup. Very good. What about you, Stacey? I am not a coffee drinker. So, um, I wasn't feeling like 100% the other day and Hoda and Jenna on the today show recommended medicine ball tea with a shot of peppermint. So I went, I literally had to Google the sizes because I was like, I'll just try a small, but it's not called small. Um, I'm forgetting what it is, but I think I got a venti, which is medium, but it was like, yeah, that is a large, but yeah, I love that. You don't know that cracks me up. (laughs) Oh no, but it was delicious. I recommend it. I love that. All right. Okay. Next question. Here we go. Favorite, and this could be for any reason, performing, whatever, whatever. Um, favorite style of dance. Stacy, what's your favorite style of dance? Probably jazz. Oh, good answer. And nothing to follow up, just jazz. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I love them all, but I, I I love jazz. I love it. How about you, Bristol? I love musical theater. Um, I love watching it. It's so interactive and um, give me some Leduca heels and a good Batman and musical theater jazz. And you have my heart. (laughs) I love that. All right, guys, I um, have another question for you guys. I love this question too, um, because it's it's just so eye opening. Um, We're going to start with Stacy for this one. What is your favorite dance movie? Oh, that's tough. Probably Dirty Dancing. Yeah, that's a solid one. That's a popular one this this podcast season for us as well. I like that it's been called a classic. The you know the classic Dirty Dancing. <laughs> How about you, Bristol? Well, I would say more of it's more of a music movie musical, but Grease. I love Grease. I watched it a million times growing up, and um, while the storyline was probably like way too old for me, all of the dancing and the fun that they had, it was. Fun to watch. Very entertaining. Bristol, they are going, there's a movie coming out this year called The Rise of the Pink Ladies. Did you see it? Right up my alley. No, I'm going to look for this. Yeah, it's all musical. So I'm ready for that one. Well, if it's anything like Grease 2, I'm sure we're in in for something great. Oh, Stacey loved Grease 2. Grease 2. Stephanie Zanoni. I love it. All right, guys. Final question. Final question. If we were to open up your dance bag right now, Bristol, what are three things we might find in your dance bag? A notebook, Mm -hmm. a pair of heels, and typically um, like a facial mist. I know that sounds like super weird, but like Evian water to refresh in between, you know, so that's the honest to God truth. If you opened it up, that's what it would be. I love that. That's an original answer. How about you, Stacey? Keys to the studio, uh, a notebook, and hair elastics because they never have hair elastics. Perfect. 
<laughs> well, guys, now that we've gotten you guys all friendly and talking about really fun things, it's time to get into this debate um, about whether or not um, petite and minis are too young to be put on stage or if it's um, a positive <laughs> thing to get them out and dancing. So we're going to get this debate kicked off with Bristol. Bristol is representing the side of not putting these younger dancers on stage. Um, so Bristol and uh, Stacy, we're excited for this conversation and let's get started with Bristol. Yeah, so this is actually a really um, near and dear topic to me. I have a daughter who is a petite and this year um, she decided she wanted to um, be part of a performing team and start going on stage and competing. Um, as a parent, it was really hard for me because I mean, I know both sides of this. Um, I know the in the class dance room side and I know um, the working in the world of dance, competition dance and performance dance. So um, and I know that um, the child you see dancing around in your living room in their dress up costume or singing in front of family members is such a different child, especially under the age of eight when they um, go on stage. Um, I tried to think about it through their lens. And um, when they step on stage for the first time, there's, you know, blinding lights and loud music. They can't see anything in front of them. There's a loud audience. Backstage is so much chaos. Um, and the trauma of just being forced to do something so big and scary. And um, they see it a lot differently than we do. Um, they're often rushed, typically crying from, you know, the lashes and the makeup and um, at the end of the day, they've for forgotten everything they've learned in the dance room which is their really safe and uh, cozy space with their, you know, sweet dance teacher. So um, for me, that's like my starting point. I, I want to, you know, just talk about that. And I think it's important that we recognize how big and scary the stage is um, when we focus on when they first start dance class, we're so, you know, open arms and it's such a light and lovely atmosphere. And then we kind of toss them out into this like ring and it's like survival mode, you know, fight or flight. And, so it's it's really hard to watch. And um, I went through it with my daughter. And so now we've entered this next stage and I am really fighting. I, I know she really wants to do it, but I just think that a slow cook method when it comes to children with dance and allowing them to like learn the respect of being in the dance room, the details, the fundamentals of dance and being in such a safe environment alongside their peers and, um, you know, where they can see the teacher's face and their parents face when they do something great versus not being able to see anything like from a, a stage to audience standpoint. Um, I just think it's important to keep it really positive and not force them to do something um, but I will say this too, there are those kids that are studio owners, children, dance teachers, children, and they are like the exception to the rule. They're the ones that are like, bam, diva right from the get go, you know, um, they fold themselves in half in like the first 10 seconds of the dance. So there are exceptions to the rule, but as a whole, as you know, a whole child viewpoint, not every kid is that way. And I think we really need to consider that um, when putting a child on a stage. Yeah, Stacy, what do you what do you have to say to that? Well, Bristol, <clears throat> I thought it was very interesting when you said that um, for these for uh, you're, the dancer to be in the safe and loving environment in the studio. Um, I loved that comment that you said, and I think um, 
the reason why a dance teacher would pick somebody to do a solo per se, let's just say we're discussing solos here, not even group dances, but just solos, right? So if they're going to pick that dancer to do one, um, there's a whole bunch of factors, maybe a list that they have, right? And it's, I feel that it's the dance teacher's job to keep that loving, safe environment, right? And welcome a new challenge to this dancer. There's a reason why you picked this dancer to do this solo, right? So I think the biggest thing for me, I understand your points, but you, what's that saying? You miss all the shots if you, but you miss the shots if you don't take them, right? So to speak, I can't, I don't think I'm saying that correctly, but give it a try, try it out, see what happens. But I think you need to really have faith in your dance teacher and know that they're to help and guide that dancer to be the best that they can be. And while I understand you as saying, take your time, go at a slow pace and get the fundamentals down, why not open that world to them? I don't see an issue with having somebody under double digits performing, solo, group, trio, whatever. I, um, I, there are the exceptions to the rule always. Um, I, I'm looking more as like a whole, um, not those like superstar kids that just have it in them from the time they step on, you know, right into the dance room. You kind of know, you know, the really extroverted kids that are like in it to win it. Um, I'm really more concerned um, about the kids that it's more from the parent standpoint where it's like, I'm doing this for me. So that's what where I'm coming from with you really have to know your child and you have to also, they need to understand boundaries and we need to listen to them when they say no, you know, we, um, it's so hard too, because I I've seen kids absolutely refuse to go on stage. And, you know, there's parents that get really upset by that. And they need to, people need to understand that after that moment, when they've told, you no, your words matter so much in those next 10 to 15 seconds, because that is the, that's the everlasting um, impression of that experience. Right. And we want kids to try again. We don't want them to quit after the first time. We know when things get hard, you don't quit. You have to try to work through it. Um, But I think we also need to follow their lead um, as instructors and as parents and say, okay, they've set some boundaries here and um, we need to be respectful of that. Um, so that, but I, like I said, I, there are those children that are just like, I'm going to, I'm in it to win it from like age two or three and they go out there and kill it. It's the little ones that, you know, go out and they literally stand there and you've paid, you know, to do a solo on stage or, and they have forgotten everything they know because they are under so much stress in that moment. Um, cause they don't, they don't know where they're at. I mean, I was that kid (laughs) at eight. I had my first solo at eight. I lived through it. And I, it was for me, like looking back now being 40 and looking back, I'm like, oh, I didn't, that was not for me. Like it was for the other, you know, some of the people in my life that really, they, they, they wanted me to take a chance. Like you said, the dance teacher that was like, she really believed in me and thought I could do it. But I never did my solo that was choreographed until I was probably 12 years old. Because every time I got on stage, I just was so terrified that I completely blacked out. 
completely. I didn't know what I was doing and she would get so frustrated with me, but I just, I emotionally was, and, and mentally was not ready. I don't think for that. Um, so that's where, that's where I'm coming from. I'm looking more at like the uh, children as a whole versus those like singular sensations, you know? Yep. Bristol, I, I find it not that I'm trying to say anything derogatory about your dance teacher growing up, but you made a comment and you said that you had a solo at eight and you didn't really have the choreography down pat until you're almost 12 or 13. See, I look at that and want to say as a dance teacher, um, yes, I've had my share of students that went blank on stage and oh my God, but my biggest thing when they got off, I didn't, you know, I comforted them. And then whether they had another dance to do, it was pretty much like, all right, we have another dance to do. We're going to talk about this later. Cut to here we are Monday at the studio. And I would say, what do you think happened? Tell me. You know what I mean? I, 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 I want to know, like just a brain fart that happens. I, I completely and totally understand. How do I make this better for you? How? And some couldn't tell me. And then I was like, but you, you have to tell me because I don't want that face or that feeling for you to ever happen again. So, and I've had kids that have had a solo and they've only done it once and they've never done it ever again. And it was my job to sit down and talk to the parent and just be like, I know that this is maybe what you wanted, but she, he, well, at the time it was just girls, girl, she's not ready to do this. So this, you're paying me to do a job. I'm telling you that it's not ready when she's ready. She may never be ready, but we gave it a shot. So that makes me feel sad for you in that sense that no, and I don't mean that in a mean way, just like from eight to 12, that you felt like that feeling and that stomach feeling like, oh my God, like, it just makes me sad that a dance teacher would just be like, go out there and do it, go out there and do it. And that's not how it should be. Yeah, I just wanted, you know, um, when Bristol first opened up this debate, um, she mentioned a lot of the negatives of putting the dancers on stage, which included stage fright, um, kind of the trauma behind that. Stacey, can you speak to maybe what some of the benefits are to putting the kids on stage, kind of those tangible, like these are the lessons learned um, kind of to counter, kind of counterbalance what Bristol had said in the beginning? Sure. You know, you, you asked a dancer to be on stage to perform a routine, solo, duo, trio, group dance, because you saw something in them. You think they have a great personality and this helps them maybe not be so shy and, you know, social aspects, they're making friends and it's not just their school friends. And, you know, maybe they'll have sleepovers. Maybe they'll be invited to birthday parties. They're going to meet people from other schools and, you know, because not everybody at your studio goes is in the same class and in the same school. So I think there's benefits to that. Um, I think also you made a comment um, that, you know, if they forget, it's good for the other kids to sit there and say, you know what, this kid, she didn't give up. She didn't run off the stage or she did run off the stage. And I got to learn how to handle that, whether they're on, you know, double digits and down, you know, nine to whatever, but even when they're 16, 17, I mean, I've had kids that forgot it too. So, um, I think a lot of social aspects, <laughs> I think that there are really, uh, I think it's good. I, ju I just think it's good. 
Yeah, I think too. Um, and and Stacy, hearing you kind of come up with the reasons why it's good, it's interesting to me hearing because Bristol's telling us, um, you know, these are the reasons why she wouldn't put one on. But let's imagine now you have a successful kid on that stage, killing it. Mm-hmm. What are they getting out of it? Like, let's think of the successful kid at it, and what are the benefits for them as the successful kid on stage? Or also, too, for Bristol, what are the negatives for that successful kid? Like if there are, if we're not looking at, we're looking just straight across the board as the age being the factor that we're debating, what, you know, Stacey, what are those benefits? Bristol, what, what are the, what is the harm? I think the, the validation of hard work, like you put all this time and effort, all the rehearsals on whatever, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, whatever day that you did. It's the culmination of hard work. It's just like studying for a spelling test, right? And you got all the words correct. I mean, there's validation in that. There's you're proud. You're Absolutely. proud, right? And that's how I look at that. I um, the the term success. Um, I I don't take lightly. I think, and I'm trying to. You know, I always teach this with my students. You determine your definition of success. What is important to you? There is no award or medal that's going to give you that. You are it. You have made it. You've made it when your soul has been set on fire. When you are content with what you've accomplished that day, um, you you your success is determined by you. Um, you know, it's it, accountability too. You know, you have to wake up every day and say, "I'm going to be the best version of myself." Um, so when it comes to, I guess, as kids get older, which I came from a slow cook studio. So we were not a big competition. We weren't like a boom, you're like competing. You know, I was one of those kids. I was one of the few that were doing solos at eight. Um, And so for me, and and I've seen the success of those programs too. There's um, pros and cons to each, right? The ones that like hit the ground running when they're super young, or they kind of slow cook and really focus on the fundamentals of dance and um, wait until the kids are older to do all of the big performance opportunities and competition. Um, and personally, when I am watching or judging um, in a you know in a class, um, I prefer to see um, a child under the age of I'll say eight. Um, executing, you know, chasse's on their toes, their hands are on their waist properly, their arms are fully stretched, they can do a pivot turn, they can do a proper preparation. I prefer that far, far over in a simple costume over like a glitter sprayed over rhinestone, even though I think it's adorable. Chris knows me, he knows how much I love my glitter and sparkle. Um, trying so hard to do you know, choreography, they can't even execute. And um, so that is where I, it's hard. It's really hard for me because I love watching kids like work it on stage, the ones that really love it. It's just really hard for me to see the ones that I can tell are struggling so bad because they're just not ready socially and emotionally and mentally for that moment, you know, and I, I'm rooting for them. Like I am like really out there just going, come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can finish. Even when they like pause or like take that moment. I, I want nothing but success, especially for a judge. And I always tell, you know, kids this, when I'm like prepping them for competition at any age, I'm like, as a judge, I want nothing more than you to be for you to be successful. I don't not here to tear you down or, you know, not most of the people that I work with, I know are this way. We want any child at any age to be like incredibly successful at what they're doing on stage. 
So, um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's where I'm at as far as like young kids and when they do are on stage and executing, um, you know, any choreography, it's really important that they understand the fundamentals and that a good foundation will make them incredibly successful later, um, you know, post competition. And once they've graduated. That's why it's so important to find the right teacher. I think, yeah, I think this does come back to um, the adult role models in these scenarios, right? I really think it does come down because no kid is, you know, registering themselves, no seven-year-old for that competition, <laughs> putting it on their MasterCard and go, right. We have to <laughs> we have to really put this in the hands of um, the adults that are hopefully listening to this. And, and you know, I, I wanted to ask a question and I know this is... Um, Probably silly, but I'm going to ask it anyway because uh, it obviously is an arbitrary question. It's going to matter on the kid. But um, Stacy, how young, like give me an age of the youngest kid that you can see on stage. And Bristol, what age age do you think is appropriate for kids to get on that stage for the first time? Um, I have never had any of my students do a solo under the age of six. I had one in 25 years do a solo when she was six years old. Everybody else was eight or nine. Um, that was because of who she was. Um, it, meaning it, she wasn't related to me or anything like that. I, you know, um, it was just having her at three years old and watching her in class and recognizing who she is and, and, and what the power that she had when she walked in there internally, not just the power of, you know, making everybody laugh and being cute and have great flexibility, just who she was. And I wanted everybody to see that. And she was not afraid. And, you know, I was nervous. Sure. Like anybody else with a six-year-old going up there going, oh my God, I don't think she can do this. But that was like this big. Because I was like, I know, I really thought about this. I, that's when, when I'm saying go back to the dance teacher and finding the right one, you have to find the right one. Not everybody can do it. And so um, I guess so maybe Stacey, would or nine. Eight, okay, I was going to say, or how do you feel about like a four or five-year-old going out on stage and doing a solo? Of course, I love them. I love them. Um, but... As far as education, right? So when they're looking, when the judges are looking at the dancer, so I think as a judge, the dance, I think the dance teacher needs maybe to edit. That might be a little bit of a problem sometimes for some people, right? But you need to edit. Don't give them a two and a half minute routine. Give them that 147, 150 routine. Don't give them 15 cartwheels. Give them two. And then give them, like Bristol was um, saying, you know, have a, a strong foundation. Let them get that passe up in the air. They can't do a pirouette. Well, they shouldn't be doing a solo. But if they have that pirouette, make it the best pirouette that they can be and pull up and be nice and strong and straight. If, 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 if the dance teacher could edit the dance, I think that probably would make people... Uh, go on my side and say, yes, they, they could be four years old and, and do it. If they could just edit, it doesn't have to be two and a half minutes. It doesn't. Oh my goodness. No. And Bristol, <laughs> what do you think? 
I think um, nine, 10, honestly, especially for a solo um, and group dances like eight. I'm like on the fence about still because like I said, I'm living this right now. I have my little almost eight year old that is ready to rock it out and I'm struggling with it still, but I'm letting her do her thing. I've stepped back. Um, and you know, I know that the people that have her in their care, you know, they are, they love her. Like they're, she's theirs. It's where I grew up. That's where she's at. Um, and I know, I want to say this before I, um, say anything else. I know my dance teacher will listen to this (laughs) for sure. And, um, I will say about her, she saw so many things um, in me at a young age that I never would have seen for myself. She coached me to an extremely successful career, and I love her dearly. Um, and I know she she probably knows she put me out there um, a little too early, but you know, I here I am. So, and I'm fine. <laughs> you survived, I, I, right? <laughs> I did, but I think nine or ten is good, um, especially for a solo, because I think at that point they are like mentally ready um, to handle all that comes with whether you're performing on a stage or sitting through an award ceremony, hearing your fate. You know, those little ones, they couldn't care less. They're like, what? I got something. Where am I? What day is it? What am I? I've interviewed most of them. They have no idea what's happening. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, um, so yeah, I, that's where I'm at with that. I think that nine is appropriate. And, um, but I think it's important. They know, like, once you get a solo, it's all on you. You're the one you have to put the hard work in. You're the one that has to do all the detail work and push yourself, you know? Well, you guys, um, amazing job um, with this debate today, but we do want to get into our closing arguments, statements. Um, You guys get 20 seconds each. Um, How that will go is we'll start with Stacy. I'll give you 20 seconds um, to say whatever you want to say to our listeners, kind of supporting your side of this debate. Um, At the end of the 20 seconds, I do a nifty little uh, uh, to like cut you off. um, And that's all the time you get. So we're going to get started. I'll give you a three, two, one go. And that will be your indication to get started. I know it's so fancy and high budget, but here we are (laughs) season one. All right. Three, two, one, go. All right. Don't be afraid to take any chances. Trust your dance teacher. Know that he or she has that dancer's best interest at heart. And clearly there are exceptions to, you know, everything. But if you have somebody who's four or five years old that pays attention in class and they go, Oh, it went so, I was like following you so close. That was so good. Yeah, that was good. I, I kind of stop, stop listening when you have five seconds left. Cause I get, I get so excited about my role in all this. That was great. All right, Bristol, you're up. Here we go. Three, two, one, start. I think it's important as a teacher and a parent is to ask yourself, is this for me or is this for them? Uh, My input is to teach kids the respect of the dance room and the details and hard work and dedication to their master, to master their artistry and being part of a team. Um, The foundation of your dance life, we all know dance is life once you start, is far more important than being on stage. I got through that. (laughs) Well done, you guys. That was wonderful. You guys really brought in a lot of great topics. So thank you so much for your time, guys. We had such a great time with you. Thank you. Thank you. Liz. 
Chris, we did it. We did another debate. Um, and the whole time, all I could do was think about you and how much you love a petite. Oh, my goodness, you so, guys. I yeah, love a petite. You yes. love a petite. And I just like in the dance world, everybody. Let's I calm was down say, for a second. Yeah, I'm, I don't babysit. But uh, <laughs> no, it's just the absolute free will and energy. I have a couple things I want to say, Liz. So I hope I hope we can kind of keep talking for a bit. But I have a couple things I want to say. First thing Chris is... This is our podcast. We can talk as we long as we want. We can talk as, as long want. as we want. Yeah. No, the first thing I want to say is um, the reason why I love a petite on stage is because of the unbridled natural energy of a human is just out there. And I wonder sometimes if the adults surrounding these petites need to just take a step back and to be like, yeah, go live your dream out there on that stage. And we put all of that pressure. They don't know that it's scary or chaotic or any of those things until we tell them that it is, right? I just, it it frustrates me sometimes when I see that the parents get so involved and so extra when it comes to this stuff, when it's just like, no, just let that kid lit. All they want to do is love dance out on a stage. So let, go let them love dance, right? Yeah, I mean, we're going to um, finish our season up with a podcast of you and I kind of offering our opinions <laughs> on these debates, but looks like we already know what yours is, but I totally um, see your point. And um, I would love to talk about what our viewers have chosen. Uh, we put all of our topics up on Instagram in a poll um, earlier this season to find out what they thought. Um, and I've got the results and they are interesting. Um, are petites too young to compete was the question. And 33% said yes, and 67% said no. Chris, you're in shock. I am in shock. Sorry. I, I just realized <laughs> I also wrote my statistics backwards. Sorry. But yeah, that's what I was like, wait, what? Um, 33, say that for me one more time. 33% think it's not okay to put petites on stage. Yeah, they said yes, it's they're too young to compete. They're 33% to said yes, 67% said no, they're not too young to compete. Yeah, so my statistics, so you know, I polled um professionals in the field. So I'm I'm polling um all adults, judges, dancers in our industry. Was it like a soybean field or corn field? It was field? a soybean field. It was. It was a beautiful sunny day. Um, <laughs> just picking professionals, you guys. Just picking professionals. And uh, from my polling, 12% think that they are too young and they should not grace the stage. And 88% think it's fine. Uh, you know, petites and minis and all of you ha have at it. The younger, the better. No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah. <laughs> So I would say <laughs> this podcast um, is taking a weird it twist. It has taken a weird <laughs> twist. Um, no, but that's so. Yeah, once again, you know, polling uh, professionals and dancers in the industry, it's a different take than your Instagram fam. So interesting. Yeah, it looks like uh, you know the majority on both sides are saying though that it's not too young. Put them out there. Um, but it's always so interesting to see where that how big that gap is between the two from your field of professionals. My soybean field of professionals. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I don't know why we haven't talked about that earlier in this season, but I didn't, I guess I just now picked up on the fact that you have a field of professionals, everybody. <laughs> um, great. We did it. We did another great, great dance debate with great no dance cookies. Debate. And the cobbler smells delicious. Oh, you did a cobbler. I did. I, ba I baked a cobbler. I thought it was this. cookies. Dang it. No, cobbler You're again. Wrong. Well, guys, I can't wait uh, for our next dance debate. Um, I know 
this is either the last episode or nearing the end of our season. So, but we'll have a season two coming out. You'll also have a bonus episode of Liz and I breaking down all of the episodes and offering our own opinion. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, but make sure you guys um, comment. Let us know some topics that you want us to debate uh, in season two or upcoming. And um, yeah, Liz, tell us about social media. Well, you can catch our podcast on Apple, Spotify, um, anywhere you really want. Listen, watch your podcast. You don't watch a podcast. You listen <laughs> to your podcast. Clearly, Liz doesn't know anything about podcasts. I, listen, I, I know. I have a list. Still haven't gotten to it. Um, you, you can make sure you, you like our podcast. Make sure you're downloading it. And then if you have any suggestions for topics, as Chris mentioned, please, please, please let us know. Um, and then make sure you're following us on our Instagram at Plat- Dance Platinum Co. You can also find us on our favorite social media platform, the TikTok yep. at Dance Platinum Co. Zero, of course, on Facebook as well. So make sure you're following us. Yeah, guys, until the next time, Liz, this was so much fun. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.